0: Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Today's encore edition of The Universe Next Door, featuring Joan Elizabeth Moculus, originally aired in March of 2015.
1: Welcome to the Universe Next Door, a program which probes every week the clash of worldviews, different perspectives on life, on God, on the universe, on the purpose for which we are here. Bill Carl, you are here for a great and mighty purpose.
0: To pur- <laughs> I am here to serve you, Dr. That's Woodward. right. You, you have definite
1: purpose. I think there is teleology. That's the that's, fancy that's word exactly for, right. for purpose. And of course, the God that we know in our personal relationship with him as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Redeemer, and even as introduced by Jesus himself in the book of John as our friend. That God is the one who makes himself manifest in many ways, including the intricacy and the excellence of the creation around us. Today we have with us on the phone not just one, but two doctors who are by the same last name, Mokulis and Dr. Joseph. Uh, I think you go by Joe uh, in a personal setting, Dr. Joseph Mokulis. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, yes, and, that's correct. And, and then your wife is also on the line, Dr. Elizabeth. How are you yeah. today, both of you?
2: Uh, we're doing fine today. I'm happy to be here.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, I wanted to introduce you uh, right up front because I had a unique opportunity when I was participating in a seminar at the Discovery Institute just a few months ago in Seattle, Washington, to meet both of you, and we actually enjoyed a wonderful lunch together. I think it was a Saturday afternoon. And as I was hearing your story about, especially, Dr. Joe, as you were trying to struggle with your ultimate conclusions about God, about the universe, about man, whether man was just a product of evolution, unguided process of nature, or whether there was really evidence for a creator, and when I heard the the amazing tale of how a book had been left, uh, or placed, maybe is the right word, on the nightstand and it had been sort of uh, avoided or ignored, at least to some extent. And finally, that book came to the top of your stack and you delved into it. I was just amazed. So as we get into this discussion, really the story of the two of you together uh, seeking the truth. And, of course, uh, Dr. Elizabeth uh if you could just explain uh, where is your specialty since both of you are medical doctors and then maybe Joe you could come in and share what is your background a little bit. Uh, first Elizabeth if you could share with our uh, listening audience of the universe next door your story or your background.
3: Sure. I I'm uh trained as an infectious disease doctor although I'm currently not practicing medicine because when my children were small I decided that it would be more important for me to stay home with them. Um but I am an infectious disease doctor by training.
1: Wow. And where did you do your training, if I can just uh, add that little question?
3: Well, my medical school was Harvard Medical School, and then I was in the United States Air Force, so I did all of my um, infectious disease work and uh, internal medicine in San Antonio, Texas, at Wilford Hall Medical
1: Center. Fantastic. Well, I, I of course, uh, being a Princeton graduate, will avoid any uh, digs against Harvard <laughs> during the broadcast, but you, the two of you met, and I believe uh, at some point, or at least in the early in your marriage, uh, Elizabeth, you had either been or ha- became a follower of Jesus Christ. Is that correct?
3: Yes. I grew up in the Episcopal Church, but I didn't have much um, real faith, I guess, until sometime in my 20s when I began to wonder whether God was real. And I guess I really came to know Jesus Christ just through reading the Bible and and meeting Jesus there. That's pretty much how I came to faith and to understanding that God is real and not just something that happened 2,000 mm-hmm. years ago. Wow,
1: what an amazing uh, and very, very powerful encounter through Scripture itself, through the, the words of God in the Bible. And of course, when uh, you were married, uh, I guess, uh, Dr. Joe, if you would just tell us a little bit about your background, uh, your specialty in education, and then maybe how you met, uh, just a bit of that.
2: Well, I I, uh, am from Connecticut, and I did undergraduate in chemical engineering at the University of Connecticut. And then I decided I'd rather go to medical school, so I got an Air Force scholarship to pay for medical school. Mm -hmm. And then I also got accepted to the Wilford Hall Program, which is the big Air Force program down in San Antonio, and began my general surgery and then on to urology residency there. and that's where we first met. We both had finished medical school and were interns at Wilford Hall in 1989, and that's where we met when we first got there.
1: And so, and so your, your journey together as a couple began really th- through that experience. Uh, Wilford Hall, is that an actual medical training s- facility for the Air Force?
2: Yes, it, it has been, although it's a little smaller now. But it was the big thousand-bed Air Force hospital at that time. That was the biggest Air Force flagship hospital for medical training. Wow. In
1: case you've joined us today, we have with us Dr. Joseph and Dr. Elizabeth uh, Mokulis. Uh, and your residence is in uh, Alabama, do I understand?
2: Right now we live in Alabama, that's correct. Very good.
1: Well, joining us today to share their story, and it's an amazing story. As I said, I got a chance to hear it uh, sitting at lunch. And uh, if you would just uh, sort of, as I get into the heart of the story, talk about this book that Elizabeth, you found it and discovered it. It's by Michael Denton. It's one of the founding books of the Intelligent Design Movement. Uh, by Michael Denton, himself a medical expert and a geneticist living still in Australia, I believe. Tell the story of how you discovered the book, and you began to kind of put it uh, to the attention of your husband, Joseph.
3: Well, I actually learned about the whole intelligent design movement first from reading a book by Dr. William Dembski, and it was entitled Intelligent Design, and I was really... Excited when I read that book because I realized that intelligent design could remove an intellectual stumbling block for people, you know, uh, a stumbling block toward faith for a lot of people. And so um, I began to look for more books about evolution and about intelligent design, and that's how I came across Evolution: A the Theory and Crisis, which really addressed a lot of the problems with Darwinian evolution and as my husband will probably tell in his story, it seemed that that was the foundation of his worldview and the reason that he um, was comfortable being an atheist. And so I felt that that would be a wonderful book for him to read to sort of challenge some of his
1: views. His um, basic guiding assumptions, you might say, of that worldview. So back to you, Joseph. Uh, If you could share a little bit, and this is where I remember so vividly seated at that lunch table, at the Discovery Institute, what you shared. Just give us the story, pretty much uh, blow by blow, as you first ignored and eventually came to uh, the confrontation or experience with that book.
2: Sure, I'd love to. I was brought up in a household with a mother and a father. My father was an avowed atheist, and my mother was a Catholic. My mother would drag us off the Catholic Church every week. But being my father, I knew my father was right. And I knew my mother was wrong. So we kind of played the game. At least I didn't. I think my brother and sister are probably still atheists of, because of this. But we believed my father was right and the God thing was wrong. Hmm. So I went to church and we went to catechism and, you know, did all the things that Catholic children are supposed to do. And I eventually got to the point where I was, you know, in catechism. And I just told my mother, you know, all right, I will be confirmed for you. I don't believe a shred of this, but I'll get my confirmation in Catholic Church, and then I will never step foot in the church again because it's a bunch of nonsense. And she said, fine. You know, good <laughs> wow. enough for me. Uh, do it. You know, And so that's exactly what I did. I became confirmed. I said I believed, but I didn't believe a single solitary thing. Hmm. And I was rock-solid atheist. I, I had my science foundation. I had evolution to explain everything for me. I was completely comfortable being an atheist, hmm. and then I and then I lived my life. I went to college, I went to medical school, I started residency with Elizabeth, and eventually we became to the point where we became engaged and became married. And then uh, she said, "You know, we're going to go to church," and I said, "You know, that's fine. We'll go to church. You know, I can play that game. That that's not going to kill me. You know." I know my wife is very smart, and you know, but how she can be so wrong about that? I kind of put that aside. But you know, I I was right; she was wrong. I'll play, I'll play church, and that's what I did. We we'd go to church, and I'd sit there, and I wouldn't believe believe any of it. But eventually, we had children, and once we had children, and they started to get a little older, then the concept of Pascal's wager started to bother me. And that Pascal's wager for your audience that may not know it is, you know, there's only a couple possible situations. Either there is or there is not God, and either you believe or you don't believe. And there's only four combinations in there, and really there's only one winning combination of the four. And the winning combination is if you believe and if there is a God, then you have the potential for eternal happiness, heaven, what have you. If there is no God, you have nothing, you have meaningless, you have oblivion. So that's two of the choices. And then there's the other one that if there is God, but you don't believe, then potentially you have the especially bad option of hell. Hmm. So I was fine with it for myself. I was like, I could take hell. If I'm wrong, I'd go to hell. You know, everyone goes to hell. I can take it. It didn't bother me a bit, but it did bother me that I could bring my children with me. Hmm. That's what started to gnaw at me. Wow and so i it kind of just kept floating in my background mind and around this time when it was in my life it was like bothering me but not bothering me enough to do anything about it my wife had put michael denton's book evolution ethereum crisis on my nightstand
1: well, you know let me just uh say that since we're getting now to the the thick of the story Uh, Again, with Dr. Joseph and Dr. Elizabeth Mokulis with us. Uh, An amazing true story. I'm so excited we have a chance to hear it today. And there is a a critical point, uh, Dr. Joe, where you heard of this book and it went on to your nightstand. And then what happened after that is, I think, in a way, the funniest part of the story. But we're going to be getting the full story from Dr. Joseph and, of course, his wife, Elizabeth, here in just a moment after we take a quick break on The Universe Next Door. I'm Tom Woodward, your host. We'll be right back.
0: Today's encore edition of The Universe Next Door, featuring Joan Elizabeth Mokulis, originally aired in March of 2015. Jesus stood before a grave and declared, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Shocking words. Eternal life through Christ jesus made many bold claims he said he was the messiah eternal god who had become man he taught that his death and resurrection would destroy death and offer forgiveness to all c.s lewis himself as an atheist teacher at oxford struggled with christ's claims but in 1931 became convinced that christianity was true he turned to christ and eventually became a witness to millions through books and articles. Lewis's insights on Christ are captured in a delightful essay, What Are We to Make of Jesus Christ? You can read it today at apologetics.org when you click the link Lewis and Aslan. And for your gift of any amount at apologetics.org, we'd like to offer you this resource. It's Lee Strobel's DVD offering two talks on the power of Christ's resurrection. Strobel shares his journey to faith and the evidence that Christ is alive. Make your gift of any amount today at apologetics.org and receive a Lee Strobel DVD as our gift to you. Again, that website is apologetics.org. If you'd like to contact us by email, the address is information at apologetics.org. Welcome back to The Universe Next Door, focusing on questions of life, faith, and worldview. You can learn more about this program and tap into further resources at apologetics.org. And now your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Today's encore edition of The Universe Next Door featuring Joan Elizabeth Moculus, originally aired in March of 2015. Welcome back to The Universe Next Door where we are
1: today enjoying an amazing true story of faith and really kind of surmounting barriers to faith uh, of an atheist uh, doctor, a urologist. He is with us today. He is no longer an atheist. Uh, he and his wife had been able to share with us some of the incredible details of this journey together after they uh, became husband and wife uh, there about 20, it was about 30 years ago, getting close to it two three okay okay in the in the in closing the in closing it on the mid20s in your journey together as husband and wife but both of you as medical doctors had a different worldview and we were just listening to both Joseph and Elizabeth share a bit about that background and uh, I was struck by the Pascal wager where you said you know you were realizing uh, Dr. Joseph that you had a situation where you didn't want to lead your children as they were coming into your lives uh, down a pathway toward atheism, if that wasn't, in fact, a proven, true worldview. And, of course, at the point, I think, where we left off, you, uh, Elizabeth, were you the one that uh, perpetrated this act of giving the book, Michael Denton's book, to your husband?
3: Yes. I I apparently laid it on his uh, nightstand and probably said this would be an interesting book to read, but I just left it there for him. Okay.
1: Okay. You know, you you didn't you didn't as it were uh, keep putting it on the top of the stack or but whatever. But I think other books came onto the stack. Joseph, just tell us the story if you would uh, of the impact or or how long it maybe. Uh, you could begin by how long it took for you to get to that.
2: I'd say it took at least two years. It was sitting on that nightstand collecting dust, if not longer. Mm. And I, that's what I would do at night before bed is just sit down, and read for an hour or so, and then go to bed. So it was an every night thing, but. There was always always something better to read than than that and and being the atheist that I was, I thought it's just a complete waste of my time i mean mm. that 's just a joke evolution a theory and crisis the evolution is proven i mean there's no crisis it 's not even hardly a theory, and so I just ignored it for years mm. but eventually I, I one night I ran out of things to read i come up short, and i looked around, and I'd read everything in my room, and I, all right, I thought, oh, I'm, this should be a joke, and, I, you know, here I am, I'm a chemical engineer. I, you know, I was a top-of-my-class chemical engineer. I knew science. I love science. So I still love science, mm-hmm. and so I thought, chemical engineer, I got that background. I got medicine background. I know science. This is just going to, I'm just going to tear this thing apart, and so I started it, and what it did is it, tore me apart. Wow. Uh, it, you know, it's very simple, straightforward. You don't need to be a chemical engineer. You don't need to be a doctor to understand that book. It's very uh, practical and, and uh, to layman's terms, but the arguments are clear and solid, and the facts are the facts. And as he went from chapter to chapter to chapter, just tearing it down piece by piece, uh, by the end of the book, it was rubble. And it wasn't that I didn't understand. I understood per- perfectly well the theory of evolution and the facts that he mentioned. But it, I didn't realize what that fact said, in fact, pointed to. And at the end, this newer discoveries in science had undermined prior facts that I was unaware of. Hmm. So by the end of that book, I was, my foundation was washed away, and I was just, uh, Floating in limbo. Wow! So from there, I I also went to more books on intelligent design and
1: now was and was Elizabeth was Elizabeth guiding you at this point? Were you actually opening up to her and suggesting things, or did, did you no. did you reveal this to her right away?
2: No, huh. I didn't. I didn't say anything to her. I just uh, I just read it along and and eventually, eventually, I said uh, I told her you know, mm-hmm. what it meant to me. And maybe she remembers something differently.
3: Well, I just wanted to say that I was the one who picked out all those books you were reading. <laughs> <laughs> because they were in our house, because I had read them.
2: That's right. I, I recall that now. I don't remember <laughs> how I got them, but that's, they were already in the house. That's great. just laid one after the other out for me.
1: Mm. And so this was really, at this point, it was in the mid-90s. Had Michael Behe's book been published yet, Darwin's Black Box? Or, or was this it before? Ha-
2: I had, but uh, I don't think I had read that one at that point. I did read a Michael Behe book, uh, but I'm, I think it was the one after Black Box that, okay. that I eventually
1: read. Wow. Yeah, the edge of evolution is equally, yeah. equally powerful. Um, exactly. Well, today with us, Dr. Joseph uh, Mokulis and uh, Dr. Elizabeth Mokulis, husband and wife team, you might say, um, um, both in their marriage and also as medical doctors. Elizabeth, an infectious disease specialist. Do I have it right there? Yes. Yeah. And then of course the Dr. Joseph urologist we are really excited about the opportunity to hear your story did in, at that point that you became convinced that the macro evolutionary story the darwinian story was rubble it was no there was no scientific evidence for macro large scale you know the kind of the big tree of life picture of evolution did you immediately begin asking you know, maybe there's something to the god hypothesis i mean how did Did Christianity then present itself to you as an option?
2: That's a good question, and it was kind of a a gradual process. I I mean, I was around it because I was playing church with my children for all these years, so it wasn't that I wasn't hearing the message. I was just going in one ear and out the other. Hmm. So I guess it it kind of became, I, I began to believe Mm -hmm. I began to believe that was true, whereas before I had believed that it was nonsense, and it was Mm -hmm. just a gradual blending from Mm -hmm. disbelief to true belief. Wow! And now now it's, you know, I'm all in. It's 100% for me.
1: That's great. Well, again, Dr. Joseph and Elizabeth Mokulis, uh, who have had this experience of being shaken, you might say, shocked, is a phrase that C.S. Lewis used uh, when he referred in his letter to BBC Radio to the series of talks he was actually outlining in his mind, and he said to the BBC Radio broadcasting officials who had written him a letter inviting him to coming to come on BBC during World War II, he said, "We could call it the Art of Being Shocked," and it sounds like you had a bit of a shock yourself, Doctor Joseph.
2: I would uh, say that's exactly what it was. I'd be happy to be uh, categorized in something that. C.S. Lewis said in any way, shape, or form, but that's exactly what it felt like. It yeah. was just a, it's a, when you change your worldview from, I mean, because it's the opposite. It isn't just different, it's mm. the opposite. And I think that's why people have such a hard time. Mm. going from one to the other, because it isn't just believing something different, it's believing the opposite of what you believe. That's what makes it so hard in my mind.
1: Exactly. Well, today, again, I would like to just uh, celebrate this moment by saying, if you're listening to this broadcast, and if you would like to receive a package of not one, but two free DVDs, we're going to offer the story... Uh, of Michael Behe being shaken up by that same book, Michael Denton's book, which impacted, by the way, Philip Johnson. I mean, the, the amazing tsunami of, of revelation of the, you know, that they were on the wrong path. They were on, on the non-scientific path uh, occurred to Michael Behe himself through Denton's book. And, of course, Denton's book is still in print, Evolution of Theory and Crisis, is still a highly ranked book with Amazon to this day. Uh, Today we have with us again Dr. Joseph and Elizabeth Mokulis. And to celebrate their being with us, we're going to offer, if you will just contact, apologetics.org, our website. Of course, apologetics.org has its own web address, and it's uh, information at apologetics.org. And if you contact us, if you are a seeker or even if you're a follower of Christ, Uh, We would invite you to come and just uh, contact us, and we will send you The Case for Christ. Uh, Dr. Joseph uh, Mokulis, a quick question on practicality and relevance today. As intelligent design, as a movement, turns 30 years old this next uh, couple months, celebrating the 30th anniversary of when uh, Denton's book was released in Great Britain, what do you see as the most exciting development? We have about 30 seconds that you see happening in intelligent design One, at least one thing.
2: Well, I think the whole, the whole, what's being seen in science is information is the most fundamental thing Mm. in the universe that Dr. Dembski, his new book, discussed. But I think that that really is, to me, extraordinarily powerful. And it goes right along, hand in hand, with what the Bible's been saying Mm. all along. Yes. I think that's a, Difficult concept, a very difficult concept, uh, but I think it all fits beautifully in one beautiful picture Right, science and the Bible.
1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was Christ, of course, in our understanding theologically, but the Word is information. I'd like to thank Dr. Joseph and Dr. Elizabeth Mokulis for sharing your amazing story. I'd love to have you back on here again sometime, but thank you today for listening to The Universe Next Door.
0: next door.